Hey everybody, this is Matt Miller. Welcome to another episode of Stick to Football. And guess what? The band is back together this week. We've got Connor Rogers live from BR New York. We've got Marshall Miller, Mr. Mello here in the, the BR Missouri office with me, fresh off a week of doing some radio together. And we have a jam-packed show today. And we're going to take you around the league. We're going to talk about what the hell are the Panthers doing? What the hell are they doing in Washington with Kirk Cousins? What the hell is Ezekiel Elliott doing? So it's kind of a what the hell episode this week, Connor. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And I think we we start right with what the hell is Carolina doing? Is this just like more bitterness about things in the past and just two minds, an owner and a GM, not being able to work together anymore? Because I know that, listen, we all know what happened to the Panthers last year, obviously at a down year. But it doesn't mean, especially in July, right before training camp, when everyone gets, this is the week everyone gets back from vacation, by the way. If you're wondering, you know, front office executives, scouts, this is everybody's time to come back from vacation. They've had a month off. They're back now. And you find out you get fired if you're Dave Gettleman. And you're kind of like, what the hell? Did, where did this come from? I, I think there is a lot of bitterness. I think there's also, in the NFL right now, feeling from owners that, hey, let's go get young. Like, let's, you know, the tide is turning. We've seen it in Kansas City. We saw it in you know, Buffalo to some extent. Um, you know, we talked about it last week. The Jets are promoting people to get younger. I'm interested to see what they do in Carolina. But here's kind of what's like, what's, shitty about this is Brandon Bean was a great internal GM candidate. He got the Bills general manager job. And now you fire your guy and Dave Gettleman. Same same story in Kansas City. You had Chris Ballard and you wait four months and then you fire John Dorsey. I just don't understand the thinking here. And I honestly, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think owners are becoming so impatient that they're not willing to see things through. And I'm not a Dave Gettleman guy. Like I, I've said for years, I don't like the way they built that roster with no focus on the offensive line. They waited until this year to get Cam Newton help. You've kind of stiffed some of your veterans. But it, it is very interesting because you don't see general managers fired in the middle of July. It doesn't happen. And now, I, look at the landscape. Who are the candidates out there? Are you, Ryan Cowden from the Titans, um, the, the guys in Seattle, you know, Scott Fitterer's up there, Trent Kirchner. I'll tell you the guy I would go after, and I, I haven't asked for his blessing to say this, so I hope he doesn't get mad at me. I would call Daniel Jeremiah, like, right now. He would be my call. Like, get someone young who understands evaluation, who's been at the top of the food chain for a team like the Baltimore Ravens, and can start to to really rebuild that roster, because it's, frankly, just not a good roster right now. Yeah, they, they have a lot to work on, and I, I think with Jeremiah, there's a, you know, Obviously, there's obvious pros that come with it outside of it being a really good PR move, essentially, because the media obviously loves him. He's a great guy. You know, does he want to get back in to and I think a job like that, he would want to get back in because I it, listen. He's, yeah, he's not going to go back to area scouting or anything like that, but a, a legitimate front office, high level executive job, I, I'm sure he would consider. What do you think of John Dorsey's name being surrounded with this job? It makes sense. Um, Is that I, connecting I, dots, essentially? Yeah, and he's probably the he's the most qualified guy on the market, right? And it's not like he was bad in Kansas City. So it, it would make sense. Um, you know, Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Panthers, is a very old-school guy. Um, it, John Dorsey makes sense there. Um, it, and, you know, when he got fired, we both said he's not going to be available long. So it, I could see that one happening. And he knows how to build an offensive line. Like, 
I, so if I'm Jerry Richardson, I look at that and say, man, look what look what he did in Kansas City. That offensive line is pretty good. I mean, I, I'm curious to see where this this job ends up going. And, you know, it's going to be a wait-and-see approach. I do think the league as a whole is getting younger with executive jobs, something we talked about in depth on last week's show. But something else we have to talk about right now, which is so, there's so many layers to it, but is, is Ezekiel Elliott, the star running back of the Dallas Cowboys, you know, former top-five pick, coming off an outstanding rookie season. And I understand people saying, don't rush to conclusions. Don't rush. And I, I am all for that. And Matt, you defend players as much as anyone. I'm usually with you on that. It's starting to get a little concerning how often his name is tied to things you don't want to hear off the field, no matter how big or small. I saw another thing this morning, Connor, where he might have gotten a ticket for driving over 100 miles an hour um, like a month ago. I saw that headline, too. And you know what it is? If that comes out two months ago, you go, you know what? That's not great. Maybe it's, a, I guess, a one-off incident or you kind of – when it's just things mounting, uh, it's getting a little concerning where – listen, do I think Ezekiel Elliott's a bad guy? Not at all. I would probably argue he's relatively harmless. But can he be reckless or stupid or both? Yeah, there's a really good chance. There's a really good chance. And it, yeah, he needs that Roger Goodell and Dominican Sue come to Jesus moment. Come up to Park Avenue and we're going to have a talk because Zeke Elliott could be the face of the NFL tomorrow. Like it, he is. I mean, he's the star running back for the Dallas freaking Cowboys. You know, like he could be he could be it. But it, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. It's so like you said, he's, you know, so far hasn't. Nothing has come out that where we say this guy's guilty of some crimes is a problem, but he's still being investigated for domestic uh, assault. Uh, he's now being investigated for allegedly punching a, a DJ. He, he's got the ticket for going 170. You know, there's st- I think, you know, there's just there's enough there that you start to be worried about the character of the guy. And if you're the Cowboys, you already it's amazing the shit they get away with from a PR standpoint, because half their defensive line suspended right now. And your star running back's a problem? Like that, there are legitimate questions about like this could be a great team, but can they keep it together off the field long enough to be a good team on the field? That fan base is so important to the NFL, though. They really don't want to suspend Zeke Elliott, the star of the Cowboys right now. So I think they'll let it play. I mean, he's been under investigation for like a year or so. The NFL does not want to have to suspend this guy. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And, you know, speaking of another running back that actually has been suspended, we've reached, the, you know, franchise tag deadlines. It looks like Le'Veon Bell will not be getting an extension. Kirk Cousins will not be getting an extension. Kurt, as the, you know, Kurt, the infamous oh my thing God. going around right now. That's embarrassing, as embarrassing gets. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you know, look it up on social media right away. It will not take you long to find Bruce Allen, the Kurt Cousins. president of the Redskins, does not know his quarterback's name. It's a, it's phenomenal. It, it's Or he's just trolling him at this point, which you pray to God that's not the actual Which is what they do. How? Response. Let, I know you're about to say Tremaine Johnson playing under the tag, too, but how dumb is it to release a statement yesterday saying, here's the money we offered Kirk Cousins, and he didn't take it. Like, I'm flabbergasted by that. No one does that. Like, And the offer they made him wasn't even any good. It was basically one more year of guaranteed money after this year. Like That's, that's not going to get it done. Not when Derek Carr is getting, you know, what, $64 million guaranteed or something like that. It's, it's crazy. And listen, the writing has been on the wall for a long time. 
Cousins will not be in Washington after this year. I I'm I don't know what I'm going to bet on it, and I'm historically bad at betting, but I feel really good about this one. Bet a lot on it. Not and, and five Matt, beers, that's for sure. Something we've heard going back to months ago was that he wanted to leave no matter what they offered him. Yeah. So, yeah, the offer was kind of, I mean, I know people are going to say crappy. Look at all that money. That was their point of the PR release is that look at all this money, Redskins fans. Look what your quarterback passed on. And then they don't, you're, they're ignoring market value. Market value is, that was not what they offered him. So, and guess what? There's demand for him. People can not like Cousins. People can, you know, say, oh, well, he's not going to be worth all that money. No shit. But at the end of the day, the 49ers, <laughs> with a really good offensive coordinator, well, now head coach, Kyle Shanahan, one of the best offensive minds in football, who has worked with Cousins, loves Cousins, needs a quarterback in San Francisco after this year. And he will pay him. And they will be really good together in San Francisco. And where will Washington be? The, nowhere. Because they McCoy, won't have baby. a quarterback anymore. Colt McCoy. Yeah. Colt McCoy, or you're picking one from next year when you have a win-now-ready offense. It's just, it's thoughtless. It's absolutely thoughtless. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And it's, it sucks too, because when they hired Scott McLuhan, it felt like they were on the right path. You know, like they had, and Jay Gruden's been a much better coach than I expected him to be. He has really acclimated well to that role. Like they, they have a good team, but they're just bungling this entire situation. So I, you know, normally we don't start the show off just destroying people, but it's kind of been that kind of week in the NFL. So uh, welcome to uh, middle of July when we're all supposed to be on vacation and uh, we're not. So uh, one, we do have, again, a ton of draft on draft questions this week, though, Connor, because people people like follow directions really well. You listeners do. And we ask you to leave comments on iTunes and you do it. We ask you to tweet us. You do it. We actually got so many questions this week that I left some out. So we, maybe we'll double dip again next week. But Draft on Draft Part 1, if you guys are ready, we'll kick this thing off. Noah Cooley asked us on Twitter, where do we rank Troy Fumagalli? I'm, I'm awful at names. That I don't know if that's right. The yeah, and you only need to end. say 600 of them a year, right? It, I'm, I'm not good with, especially Italian last names. I don't, I'm from it's Missouri. Hard. You know, if you it's, don't have like it's a... hard. If you don't have like an English or an Irish last name, I didn't hear it growing up, so... Um, but. The Wisconsin tight end, where do we rank him in this year's class? That's the question. I have him right now at number five. Um, I, I think it's a really good tight end. I know people like him a lot. You know, I get it from Packers fans. I get it from Wisconsin fans. Yeah, in the tight end class, I'll say right now, is not overwhelmingly good. But that's where I'm putting him. So that probably makes him like a third to fourth round draft pick off last year's tape. So obviously a lot could change. Either way, up or down. But that's where I would put him in this year's class, uh, at least headed into the year. Yeah, uh, listen, I'm kind of with you, Matt. I think he's in that that fringe top five range. I would I would say he sits around there, and I'm not going to pretend that I've stacked tight ends already. But I can tell you I like the Penn State tight end a lot better than him in, in Mike Gusecki. His problem has obviously been you know being on the field, but he was excellent last year. He's gotten a lot bigger. But what, uh, God, God, I'm going to give this a go. Fumagalli. I mean, I'm from New York. I should be able to say it's a name. Yeah, you're like that, Italian, but, I think. Come on. Yeah, no, full <laughs> Irish, full Irish. But <laughs> just, but no. Listen, there's a couple things that stands out with him. Number one, he's he's almost a legitimate six foot six. So he's he's gigantic. You know, 255 pound range. He's a guy that can really transform into an inline tight end. I know they really like to use him in the passing game. He had over 40 catches, over 500 yards, two touchdowns. 
you know, tacklers will bounce off of him in the open field. Now, I'm not going to say like Gronk, but when you think, you know, when you look at these big tight ends that get into the open field, they either have it or they don't when it comes to after the catch. He's a guy that can kind of turn it on and, and get those extra yards, which you like a lot. If he shows that he really is, you know, a two-way kind of guy, if he's a guy that can really stay in line and block but also kick him out as an H and use him as a passing threat, he could find his way into the top 50. I'm not going to rule that out. Yeah, and like you guys said, there's not a whole lot of depth in this tight end class, not so far that we've seen. So he really has a chance to be one of those guys to come up, have a big senior year, do some things at the senior bowl, and then shine and really have his name rise up boards. Yeah, and we see it every year with the tight end, so that's that's absolutely possible. Um, here's one from iTunes from TSB22. Uh, this is funny because we used to actually have this conversation way back in the day right. be- before podcast. If you were a five-star quarterback prospect, where would you go to college? So you kind of have to assume some things. Like you can assume that like you're going to be a starter, you know, like – so if you went to Alabama, like you're not sitting behind Tua and Jalen Hurts, like you're playing or at least competing. But I think that factors into it, right? Like where could you go and be the guy? I would want to play right away. So that's a big thing for me. But I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. You're going to say Notre I'll, Dame. So I, right? <laughs> me? Yeah. No, no, I'm not. Oh God, Brian Kelly. No, thanks. Oh, that's true. And yeah. they've also shifted away. They've shifted away from pro concepts. So like, Here's my underrated one because listen, I'm going to say USC and I, you know, or Stanford, but my underrated one that I think is going to be could become a hotbed, not for a five star quarterback, for but for more high end quarterbacks than we've seen go there in the recent past is Minnesota with PJ Fleck, because with PJ Fleck and they're already off to a great start recruiting under him. With P.J. Fleck, you know he's going to maximize offensive talents. He's always done that. You look at the way they got Corey Davis targets. You look at what they've done. He's not always scheme-specific, whether they're going to go spread, whether they're going to go pro-style. He's going to work with the player. And I think if he's recruiting you and you're a five-star quarterback and you're also going to get the chance to start at Minnesota, he's going to work to your strengths and just maximize the player you are on the field. And I think that's all you can ask for in a coach. And I feel like young coaches are are way more like that. I really like that pick. I love Fleck. I thought he was a great coach. I don't. I thought he'd be up for more high end jobs. I'm really glad Me that too. he went to Minnesota. But when Oregon, when that job opened up, I figured they would be all over yeah. him, and they weren't. So I like your pick there. I gotta stay kind of a homer pick. I don't know that I can ever pick against Texas. It's just I'm too biased. I think Herman's going to really turn around this program like I thought Charlie Strong would. But Herman's more of an offensive mind. But an underrated guy that I would go with is uh, Coach up in Louisville. He's got a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. And he's still willing to say, okay, let's change up our offense a little bit and give this guy a shot for the NFL. If I'm a five-star recruit and I see that my coach is going to go all in on me, I like that pick. Well, people have heard this before, I'm sure, but – my office uh, in Joplin is literally white and burnt orange. So I'm also – listen, I'm going to say Texas because I'm a homer. And I also think when you when you go to Texas, like when you're a Longhorn, if you're the quarterback, you're a god. I mean, Colt McCoy, Vince Young, uh, you know, our guy, Chris Sims, Major Applewhite, you are a god there. So Texas would always be my top pick. Uh, I'm actually going to say Ohio State would be my second pick. I know that Urban – um, it's a great coach who can mix pro concepts with college concepts. Um, I think we've seen that 
Um, you know, with like when he had Cardell Jones, who, you know, obviously Texas head coach Tom Herman had a lot to do that with that. But um, I think Ohio State's a great pick. But honestly, listen, Michigan is too, because Jim Harbaugh will get your ass ready for the NFL. And you know, you're going to be, you're going to be coached like a pro. So actually, let me, Michigan would be my second choice after Texas, just because I think Harbaugh is such a great coach, especially for quarterbacks. But listen, you guys both mentioned great teams. Um, Stanford, it, it's amazing how, pro style that offense has has been and continues to be so Stanford I think is a really good option too this next question from ND 2490 in terms of stats what can we expect from rookie tight ends OJ Howard and David Njoku I think that's hard tight ends generally don't have big statistical like rookie years like you you just don't see it where guys have a thousand yards or you know gosh Gronk's second year he went 72 and 11 touchdowns and almost 1,200 yards. That was his second year. His rookie year, he was hurt a lot. He also had Tom Brady throwing the ball. Yeah, he also had Tom Brady. So, gosh, it is. it is. I think it's really hard to say. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't read. This is a – that's – wow. I, I can't read. If you're listening to this podcast, I can't read. His second year, he went 90 for 1,317 touchdowns. It's weird how this this chart goes (laughs) top to bottom, not bottom to top. Um, It's been a long week, guys. Yeah, so there you go. 90. But your point stands. Yeah. With rookie tight ends, like, I know people, Eric Ebron is always going to have a bad image in draft pick because I believe he was taken over Odell Beckham, right? He was taking one pick ahead of Odell. So either way, but at the end of the day, his yards have gone from 248 as a rookie to 537 to 711. So this is a tight end that people, some people will call a bust. At the end of the day, it just takes longer for the tight end position. I believe Vernon Davis was the same way. He was coming out as a top pick from Maryland, you know, one of the best tight end prospects, and only 265 yards his rookie year and kind of turned Even, it on like, after Jimmy that. Graham had a slow, you know, it's usually the second year when guys blow up, not the first. So I guess to answer yeah. the question, I would expect under 50 catches. I, I think yeah, it's really I, hard I would to get over that. I think Howard th- Howard won't have you know the same kind of target volume, I think, because there's so many weapons in that offense. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he's going to have the better year, I think. I think Joku was a little more raw as much as I love him. But yeah, here's he the thing. He's in Cleveland. Fucking Cody Kessler throwing him the ball. So. He's in, yeah, he's in Cleveland. So, I mean, the targets might be higher, but at the end of the day, he's got to get on the field. Uh, so yeah, just don't expect much. If you're thinking of a fantasy perspective, is that if that's the reason you ask that question, uh, stay away from the rookie tight end. Yeah, so for fantasy I, purposes, yeah. And yes, there aren't many great tight ends in the NFL right now. So hell, maybe. And I I regret saying this next to Mello because we're in the same fantasy league. Hopefully, you'll be drunk by the time I pick a tight end Saturday during our draft. But first round, I will probably grab one of these guys late. You know, just to stash, um, especially because they could be a good late pick who does get you forty or. or 45 catches and eight touchdowns. So um, last question of draft on draft part one from Border Patrol agent on iTunes. I really like this question. It's kind of a longer one. So here it is. You're the GM of a team and you're trying to win a Super Bowl in the next four years. You can take any 10 players in the NFL right now to build the foundation of your team, but you have to take their current contract under the salary cap. So I know that's a lot. It would take forever for us to each name 10 guys. But maybe just like a couple guys, you know, who would your quarterback be if you had to win a Super Bowl in the next four years? Um, you know, who would your pass rusher be? Who would your left tackle be? We could at least hit on a couple key positions. 
We went into this one a little bit last week, too. I just kind of condensed it. But, you know, one of one of my top picks was Aaron Donald. Yeah. So, I mean, you're getting incredible value from probably a top five overall player in the NFL. And at, at quarterback, you're probably looking at guys like Mariota, I think, is is pretty high up there. Although all these guys are going to have to get paid soon, which makes it really interesting. Uh, another pass rush guy that I love, Joey Bosa, still on that rookie contract. You really got to look at those young guys, I think, to do this. Yeah, the instant impact players. And I agree. I think Mariota could have a huge year. You know, I would grab Taylor Lewan as my left tackle. One guy that would be intriguing because of the four-year would be Dak because you can't pay him uh, for a couple more years at least. So you would get this season and the and two after this under salary control. So I, I think that's where you, you know, you can look at, you know, like what Russell Wilson and Derek Carr were able to do. Um, you know, Khalil Mack as an edge rusher has one more year under control than you could franchise tag him. But it, it, I liked this question because this is how teams actually think. You know, you have to think about, okay, we have to pay these guys. How do we prioritize the roster and the salaries? Because you can't pay 10 superstars. You can't pay 10 top-tier players. You have to have a couple stars, a couple pro bowlers, some average guys, some, you know, guys who are just holding the spot for a little while. But, like, that's what goes into roster construction. So that's why I think it's a great question. It could be we could spend an entire podcast doing this, and, and maybe we maybe we'll hit a slow you know week in February or March and we can have a draft between the three of us. I think it'd be a lot of fun. All right, that's it for the first round of Draft on Draft questions. We're going to be right back after a little bitty break. We're going to take some more of your questions. Welcome back to Stick to Football, episode 14. And we are going to close it out with a couple more draft-on-draft draft questions this week. I want to thank you guys again for leaving those iTunes reviews. Leave your questions there. Like, we have a we have a lot of Twitter questions, a lot of Twitter trolls, so we're not always going to see the tweets that you leave us. But if you leave an iTunes review, we read those damn things every day. So you can leave a question there. What we want you to do this week, leave your favorite snack. Whatever your go-to snack is, leave that in your iTunes review. Ask your questions there, and we'll get to them next week. So first question, boys, and this wasn't on the script. What's your go-to snack? If you're just, uh, and Connor's is probably like kale and celery, but... No, dude, no way. It's gross. My go-to for a while has been beef jerky, but not just like Jack's Link's like beef jerky. I, I like, man, there's some really... We've had bonsai before out here. Shout out to Steven Nelson. We had bonsai before. That's like the best bacon jerky you could ever find. Any kind of any kind of beef jerky is the way to go. I think the last time you were out here, you got us to buy like some thirteen dollar bag of beef jerky, and I thought you were crazy. Probably, probably, <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. It's a, it was the best beef jerky I've ever had, and I keep buying it now. See, that's what so happens. We, we need a beef jerky sponsor on Stick to Football. Uh, if anybody wants to to come through on that, beef jerky is a good one. I'll be the happiest man. I'm alive. a big popcorn guy. Like even last night, like I. Popped a bag. I only eat like half the bag, but like I'll pop a bag of popcorn and watch TV or watch a movie. So, um, sunflower seeds are a go to as well. Oh, yeah. Anybody that's ever been around Matt and myself, if it's summertime, I've got a bag of seeds around. I don't care what I'm doing, especially if I'm mowing. If I'm mowing, just huge cheek, probably both full of sunflower seeds. To where you can't even talk. It's that like, no, can't even talk. (laughs) 
that raw cheek the next day. This next one from somebody that keeps sending us great questions. And please do leave your favorite snack. Leave your question to iTunes. We will get to it. We will always see it there. But this one from Hunter Neal. Are you guys fantasy football players? And how do you feel about how it has changed the fans' perspective of the NFL? I am definitely a fantasy football player. I have one league with my college friends, another league with my friends from home, and my last league is my coworkers at the BR New York City office. I cap out at three leagues. I wish I did just one, but it's one of those situations where I can't leave any of the three. And, I mean, I love fantasy football. It's awesome. So, yeah, it's been great for the game. I I think it's made fans understand the game a lot more like and, and they pay attention more like it gives you a rooting interest even if you don't care yes. about the two teams playing it's not like it's gambling. awful for the pl- awful for the players though it, awful. It, it is um we both play in a league together our draft is actually this saturday we don't take it super early drafters though. oh my yeah. god well, guys what you, we gotta talk we gotta talk about this it, you, hey, you want to come talk to our ex-wives and work out some the, the visitation schedule? We could have <laughs> oh, a later no. draft. Oh man, you just sunned me with that one. It, it, here's half our league's divorced. I think so. It's like it's when is All our right, free weekend fa- with the kids? <laughs> it's a fair rebuttal. He coaches. I'm on vacation next month, so it's like it's either now or like never. Uh, so yeah, we early draft. But listen. I've I don't think the last three years I've paid attention to my team after the draft. It's an excuse to go drink. Oh yeah, same here. Oh, the draft is the best part of the entire. Yeah, I leave my roster alone. I might check it every couple weeks, but I love the draft process of the whole thing, and it's good for like guys like myself. I don't have a favorite NFL team, and I never really have, but I have those players that I root for. So I do. I go try to pick them up in the draft. It helps me keep an eye on them, or I'll pick a new guy in my draft that I don't really know much about, but I still am able to keep an eye on him and what he's doing on the year. So maybe even though I don't have a favorite team, I still am tuning in on Sundays to see what my guys are doing. We also have an, an, a rule in our fantasy league that I feel like we should share with everyone because feel free to adopt this. It's called the Brown Rule. Anytime you draft a Cleveland Brown, you have to shotgun a beer. Not only like Cleveland that. Brown, though, if they have the last name Brown. So around here, we're big Pitt State guys. <laughs> so it was like a contest to see who could draft John Brown. This guy would go, like, seriously in the second round of our draft. So we have Antonio Brown and John Brown. If you take one of them, you got a shotgun a beer. Yes, and we're open to other rules. So I guess if you could think of anything else creative, you can leave that in iTunes comment, too. So, yeah, but it's called the Brown Rule. And last year, um, there were a lot of beers chugged. I took three Browns last year, Connor. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. That's three too many. I mean, maybe Crowell, <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what. Do You know how the fans' perspective of the NFL, it's just broadened a, a landscape that was already huge. I have friends that were at best casual NFL fans. I think that's being way too kind that are diehard NFL fans now strictly because they play fantasy football. They don't even have a favorite team. And they all and they just send me questions like, "Hey man, like, what do you think about this?" And I'm like, "Man, you watch football now? Like, I didn't even know that. It, just because of fantasy football, then daily fantasy is a whole nother wrinkle. At the end of the day, it brings so much more money, and we know that's good. And it's, it's I good mean, for us. Yeah, exactly. And, and we're gonna have our guy at Bleacher Report, Matt Camp, on this podcast. Oh, I can't who wait. I think is the is the best. At, you know, when it comes to fantasy football. So it's going to be awesome having him on. That's a really great question. This next question terrifies me. And we're, ugh, 
It's from Charlie Want. Want. And I, I love it because it's really, this is awful selections, but it's really funny. From Charlie Want. Give up football, alcohol, or go vegetarian. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we I, talked kn- about- I know my pick. Mine's, um, I know mine too. It's tough to say. Actually, but- I thought I did, but maybe not. I'm going to go vegetarian. I'm going to oh, go vegetarian. You're insane. You guys are insane. I would you do guys it. are insane. You'd last a week. There's oh, no yeah. way. I'd be awful. Not even a week. <laughs> that was my last one out of the three. Really? I would give up. Yeah, I think I'd give up alcohol. I know it's a nightmare, but these are all nightmare scenarios. I can't give up meat. That's insane. It like, would be- steak is my favorite thing in the world. Mine too. I like vegetables a lot though. Do they have like soy Not steak? when you eat them every yeah. meal. Like a broccoli <laughs> steak? Oh my God. We I'm had a conversation you. once and we were trying to figure out if like, it, there's something about like a doctor recommended to someone, not us, because I don't go to the doctor, about like stop drinking for a month. And we tried to figure out which month we would do that for. And I've, I've talked about this on Twitter. There's literally not a month, like an entire you know, like January 1 to January 31 or whatever. Yeah, I've, I've tried this too. Now, I'll tell you mine, and it's going to change if I go to the Combine next year, but mine's February. I see, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Yeah, February's Combine. Yeah, if I didn't, it, like, I didn't go to the Combine this year, February's the best month of all of them. You're not going to drink at a coming... Super Bowl party either? Yeah, well, no, no. I don't, mm, no, I really don't. I mean, listen, the Jets are never going to be in the Super Bowl, so I don't have to worry about that. And then I just eat. I just eat so much. Like I have a couple of beers, but I always have work. I work sometimes. Actually, most of the time, I've worked. The, I've worked three of the last four Super Bowls. Yeah. So like, you don't drink at work. Kind of kit. No. Uh, <laughs> um, man, that's a good one. It's it's so, hard. It's hard to pick a month. It is, it's hard. Something. It's really on. hard. That's a tough one. Oh man, are we? We're already down to our last question of the week. It's crazy. We had a lot of good. We are. We had a lot of good questions. The iTunes ones, they get they get off the rails, which I love because they know we're gonna see it. So I got, I got to get my best question in. So like we said, keep sending the iTunes ones. They crack me up. I love reading those. This last one from Michael Sapp. Do you believe the nose guard position has become devalued in recent years? Now, if you're talking about financially, I could see why you you might be wondering. Hey, you know. Why don't those guys get paid big time money? So our guy Brandon Williams got fifty four over five. Yep. So there is money there, but do I think it? I actually start to think it's going to trend the opposite way. I think this was such a pass happy league, and people forgot about those vital two down players that you know stuff the middle, and you got to be able to stop the run if you want to make it far, and that and that's obviously what they do. Teams are going to go back to running the football. We've talked about this on this podcast. I know Melo's gone in depth about it. I think it's a very, very vital position right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at you can look at Brandon, you can look at Danny Shelton, you can look at Snacks. I, I, I think the nose tackle position, it's not what it used to be. You know, obviously when guys like Casey Hampton ruled the NFL, but it's still important. And I, I think we've seen that. I think the key is now nose tackles have to be athletic enough to, you know, play gap football as well. Like you can't yep. just be an anchor. You have to be able to shoot gaps. So, you know, we're going to talk a lot about uh, Dexter Lawrence eventually when it comes to the draft and he's going to, you know, he is an athletic guy who would normally be considered a nose tackle because of his size. So uh, I just feel like the position has changed. It hasn't necessarily become devalued though. And so many teams run a very, I mean, 
so many different defenses. They're not just going with the three front all the time. They'll bring in four guys. So you have to be very versatile. You can't just be a nose guard anymore. And I think you want to see a vital difference. Listen, the New York Jets, everybody knows how much talent they've had on the defensive line. When they lost snacks, listen, the last year they had snacks was the 2015 season. They were second in rush defense, and they were third in yards per rushing attempt. The first year without them, they were 11th in rush defense. That's a significant drop-off, and I do attribute it to him. Having that guy in the middle, no matter how good your five and three techs are, makes a difference. So, But there is an argument that, listen, hey, your edge pass rushers, corners, tackles, they're going to get the money, but it's still a vital, vital position to have. And like we were talking about, you got to... Like you have to know where to pay people, and you know I know you and I both yes. felt like, hey, keep snacks, let let Wilkerson go, um, or or try to trade Wilkerson. Um, they didn't go that route, and I think they paid for it this year. So I wouldn't say that it's been devalued. And people who listen to the podcast every week know that we're all three fans of like power football making a comeback um, because of everyone going to these smaller defenses and and trying to load up against the pass. So all right, well that wraps it up for the week, boys. It, yeah, it was a good show, man. It was uh, fun this week. Next week, going to be a lot of fun. Next week, we will preview the defensive backs. We didn't want to shortchange that really deep group. So next week, we'll go heavy on defensive back talk. If you're an Ohio State fan or a Florida State fan, you're definitely going to want to listen in. Definitely going to want to tell your friends because next week will be good. Keep subscribing uh, on iTunes or tune in if you're an Android user. We really appreciate that. It helps us with the bosses helps us with future advertisers so definitely do that leave your question let us know your favorite snack and hey you can follow the podcast on twitter at, at stick to football you can follow the three of us at marshall miller seven at connor j rogers and at nfl draft scout so definitely uh, if you like what you're hearing tell somebody about it it helps us out down the road